Hi, it's Pete Price, and I am delighted to say that I'm with a young man who is a friend, a dear friend. He's the son I've never had. I'd be very proud to call him my son. He and I met in Panto. And why did I like him so much? Well, first of all, he's talented. But what we did, because Jane Joseph was running the Panto, he cleared the table and went, he's all right, him. I like him. So that's him. <laughs> then what happened? He was in Brookside. He was in Emmerdale. He has done television, films. He's got something coming out soon. But I wanted to talk to him because it's such an important interview. Because I believe that you should follow your dream, which he is doing. But he also likes nice things in life and you have to earn money. He set a company up and he runs the company and his dream as well. He then met his other half, who is a famous actor from Emmerdale as well. I'm talking about Chris Mockery. How's that for an introduction? That's amazing. That's amazing. I could have just sat there and listened yeah. to you all day. Yeah. <laughs> but the point I want to make on yeah. this interview is about the company because mm -hmm. you've always been ambitious, always yeah. been, but you also love your dream. Let's talk about your dream first, the, uh, the acting. Mm. So I've been acting since I was, oh gosh, I mean, I think I remember the first time that I wanted to be an actor was probably around six, you know, dressing up. And I remember watching Oliver on TV and saying, I want to play Oliver. And it was the first job that I ever did. I went on Blue Peter and I sang, I do anything. And, um, and uh, yeah, and just from then, when you get the acting bug, that's it. When you, I've always been obsessed with period dramas, with fantasy dramas and with real dramas too. And, you know, being from Liverpool with people like Jim McGovern, you're kind of growing up on, on the best drama and also places like Brookside. And I was sitting in my bedroom and I used to have a, a tiny TV that I could tune in. Remember when you, could you used to tune in the TVs? I could tune into Channel 4. I wasn't meant to watch it, to watch Brookside. And I remember sitting there going, I could do that. I actually believed in my head that I could do what I could see these actors doing. And then, you know, um, it was my first job. I got spotted um, at school. My first uh, amazing drama teacher called Cheryl Parsons, who's still, you know, huge in Liverpool. And she was my first agent, uh, got me the job of Ali Gordon. And I, I did uh, Brookside for two and a half years. And that was my first job. Let's talk about rejection, mm. because it is part of the job, sadly. Tell people about rejection, because you've got to be a certain strong character, not just you as an actor me as a comic, anything to do with telly and drama, they've got a picture, haven't they, when they are auditioning you? I think you've got to remember this is, can you act or can't you act? That's simple. If you can act, great. Then you've got to remember that, you know, when you go for a job interview, it's normally the best person who gets the job. That's not the case when it comes to acting because there's so much more that goes into it. So, of course, it will come down to, are you a great actor? Of course it does. But then it is you know what, is he tall enough? Does he look like the person that he's being cast with, the family? Um, is his accent right? Um, does he have that kind of, that energy? They always talk about energy too when he walks into the room. So sometimes the person can give the best read, but then actually they're not the right physicality for that part. They're not the right energy for that role. And it Not can, old enough. Yeah, not old enough. It can be the smallest thing. You can be, you know, down to the last two of some major dramas, major films, and it could be the smallest thing that you don't get it on. But you don't know what that is. So from a mental, a mental health point of view, it's very difficult for actors, you know, not to 
will to forget that because you know it, no one likes rejection absolutely no one because they don't know the reason why they haven't got that part they can start to think it's them they can start to think it's their performance they can start to beat themselves up they can start to over worry and that's why in the creative industry we have so much i think so much a problem with mental health and a problem with people who you know struggle to commit to uh, the creative industries because of that up and down um, which is why, you know, I decided that I had to have something else um, than just the acting. But you also like nice things in life. And you know, actors can't earn a lot of money, can they? Some can, but there's an awful lot don't. Yeah. <laughs> of course. No, I think everyone likes nice things in life. For me, it's a, it's a bit more of a, of a root cause for me. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a, from a single parent family. My mum worked from eight o'clock in the morning till 6 p.m. at night, every night, to make sure that we survived as a family. We had a terrible car, which had an exhaust in, uh, that sound, it had a hole in the exhaust, and it sounded like a helicopter when we got dropped off in school. You know, we were, we were a poor family, but it was a small family, and my mum did everything to make sure that we got what we, yeah. what we could. Um, and you get to a point in life where, you know, as an actor, I don't know what I'm going to earn next year. I don't know if I'm going to do as well this year as next year. And as my mum's getting older, you know, I've got to start thinking, I've got responsibilities. I've got to look after her like she's looked after me. I can't do that just by going after my dream, which is not secure. Um, so I needed something else that I could have, which was a consistent income that I still love to do and still was able to follow my dreams and follow my passion. Um, which is why, you know, I started the business. It's interesting you say that too. And I was like that with my mum because mm. I was a single um, family um, brought up by my mum. And my mum said, yes, go after your dream, but get a trade. That's what she told me. And it stayed with me. Then I found a way of, because I went in catering, and I found a way of not smelling your chips and my life changed forever. <laughs> but what I love about you is, and I genuinely, and to everyone listening to this podcast with Chris Mockery, um, the love for his mother is unquestionable and, and I love him for that because I wish I still had my mum and she's a very glamorous lady um, also as an actor what you've gone into has helped you hasn't it oh massively massively because you know when in business what you know what we do is we go and do a lot of pictures we meet a lot of different people we meet a lot of different characters now, the beauty of what we do is, and the beauty of being an actor is, you've got to listen. And you know, the whole point of being an actor is to listen and react, to listen to that person in front of you. Business is exactly the same. You can meet someone who is incredibly, you know, um, extrovert, someone who's quite introvert, and you have to make sure that you listen to the, how they do business and react accordingly. And that's how you, I think you, 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 you know, you work well with people. Um, I think you have to be adaptable to your surroundings, adaptable to the companies that you're going into, because every company's different, and that's exactly the same with being an actor. Now, if I remember rightly, you were working for Avion, uh, the water company, as a PR, as uh, somebody who was building the product. Yeah, so I did. I worked for Danon, which owns Evian and Volvic, the water company. So I worked, um, I was national sales manager for them, so ran all the sales teams within the UK. Um, I then worked for Red Bull. Um, and went up to kind of director level, looking after the field sales team. Um, and the beauty of that was they still allowed me to do my acting on the side. So I remember I got a three-month job with the BBC doing Ordinary Lies. 
and I went to my boss and, and they didn't want to lose me. So they let me go and do a sabbatical to go and do that. And actually, you know, with acting, I was doing probably three days were filming during the week and two days I could jump back in and do some work. Now I'm going to stop you there because we're going to really make that point. Mm. You do the two together. Mm -hmm. So there are people out there that want you because you proved yourself and they will give you the freedom to to follow your dream and that's important isn't it i think it is yeah i think i think first of all you've got to you've got to if you give people commitments consistency and you're passionate about your job they should give you back they should let you go and do the things that you want to do that are going to make you happy that that's that's a sign of a good employee and i've been blessed that all my bosses when i was employee before i started my own company you know were, were all all made sure that I had balance in my life, but I was still happy in my job and they knew my happiness came from, you know, doing the acting. And some people have different hobbies. Some people go in, up a mountain, some people go skiing, some people do, you know, go off on an expedition. Mine was, I'd go and, you know, put on a costume and, uh, and, and, and yeah, and start filming. It's interesting you say that because I've just done an interview with a fabulous lady who has just gone across Mongolia mm -hmm. uh, for 84 days on a horse oh and she's a consultant surgeon at the Royal Hospital. So it's the dream. It's a dream. But it they've is. let her do it. Yeah. And your bosses, and I know that everyone you work for before you set your own company up, have said, yes, follow your dream because they don't want to lose you. Yeah. They and see I, the value. And I I've kept that culture now with my guys, with my employees that work for me. Let's talk about that in a minute. Balance we'll really talk about your company, yeah. yeah. Tell us, I know there's a couple of things bubbling that we can't talk about with TV, mm -hmm. but we can talk about a very special drama that you're in. Yes, we've got um, a, a new drama which is coming out this year. I'm going to the screening on the 17th of June, actually. It's in London, um, which is called The Long Shadow. And it's going to be on ITV. It's directed by Lewis Arnold, who is probably one of the most well he is he, the most incredible director i've worked with and he's without a doubt um you know someone who is is going to go all the way when it comes to you know that that field he's um he did des he's just done sherwood um uh, that was on recently um he did humans um he's, he's i mean the cv is incredible and it's about the yorkshire ripper and the who's who the cast yeah so it's um we've got david morrissey in it there's going to be there's daniel mays um, there's Catherine Kelly, there's Lee Inglesby. Um, the, I mean, the, the, there's a, literally there is a ton of kind of household names in it. It's a huge cast, though. There's 116 in the cast, seven episodes, but it tells the horrific, horrific crimes of what that man did. Mm. Um, and ITV do these kind of real life crime dramas, I think, with, you know, such an incredible sensitivity um but also with it with an unbelievable accuracy mm -hmm. so it's you know it's 1970s it's it's yorkshire um and i think it will be it'll be a huge huge um part of the itv calendar this year and you're in it um we'll briefly just talk about max very briefly because i want to talk about that's another that's another <laughs> podcast you've met your other half yep. you've met your life partner who also is an actor how much pressure through your relationship does that put on two actors do you know what i think it's um what as i mean and max will say this too we're very lucky because we're not from wealthy families um so I, I, where the pressure comes from from us is um people i think there's two things to this first of all 
there's a, a pressure for us to always be working and I think that's a hard pressure everyone thinks oh because you know you met um, and you're kind of in the limelight that you you know the jobs just come flowing all the time that doesn't happen so you know Max has done really well and he's he's now just landed a lead role for Netflix before that he worked for, th- for a film with Liz Hurley and then before that he didn't work for seven months so you know there's these gaps where that's pressure as a couple as well you know when I'm working he's not uh, and vice versa that that can bring pressure um so we have to make sure that you know that, that we sustain our home we sustain our life we sustain our happiness as a couple so there's lots of pressures that come from that um but 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 also you know when it comes to pressure there isn't because we're best mates too so we you know we thrive off each other we have a great we just enjoy life and that's what it's about you've got to take it with a pinch of salt um and just have fun on the journey Right, let's talk about the business. So, you're working for other people. Mm-hmm. You made the big decision, which is a big decision, to set a business up, and you've now got people working for you. Uh, I know there's going to be a new business model. We won't talk about that yeah. now. We'll save that one as well. But you are working for some major companies, helping them sell their product. Is that what you do? Yeah, so we, I started off as a consultant. So with my background in sales and marketing, I started a consultancy business where I would advise people on how to increase their revenue, get more sales uh, fundamentally. Um, and um, we have then divert, that kind of expanded the business now. To, we have a marketing agency, which have designers. We do a bit of PR. We do um, a bit of web development. We, we build websites within that company and then we have another company that does um white label sales or outsource sales um so for example monopoly life-sized in london is an attraction we do all their sales for them so um if you book a group to go to them you'll come through to our sales team and we'll process that for you and and do everything so really they they all kind of link to each other um but as a business we can go in and say look you know what is it you need you need marketing do you need sales or do you just need some advice on how to grow your commercial business so uh, you know one of our big clients is chester zoo um who are phenomenal you know charity and organization and we've been working with them on their new hotel which opens in 2025 um we're also working on uh, bringing other things to the zoo on how they expand revenue. So, for example, this year we're bringing an outdoor cinema to the zoo for the first time um, in August. Uh, that's in collaboration with Luna Cinema. Um, so things, you know, we look at businesses and how they can diversify their revenue based on what's going on within the market too. Let's stay with Chester Zoo. You now have a, a, a wedding venue. Yes. So um, that was a, one of the first projects that I worked on was to do a feasibility study on the old stables at the zoo. Now, this old stables um, was... bang in the centre. bang in the centre. Yeah. It used to have the... If you remember, it used to have the lion uh, enclosure in the front. So you can actually see the lion's claws on the, where they used to sharpen them on the wall. Um, but it also... I mean, before then, it was the maintenance yard for years where the, the maintenance team would just fix all uh, the broken pieces around the zoo and they would use that as their base. And before that, even, it was the stables for the house. So it's where George Oldfield, who owned the zoo, would keep some of his animals to. And that has been um, refurbished into, I think, one of the most beautiful wedding venues I've ever seen. Well, it's, it can do conferences too, but they have done such a phenomenal job on that on that venue. It's it's breathtakingly beautiful because you've got the central courtyard. You've got the turrets of the old stables that you walk through and they've just they've, they've just done a great job. So, yeah, it's um, I think they've been inundated with inquiries since it's opened. 
It's amazing. Now, the hotel, mm -hmm. you've been back and forth to Africa to see how it works, haven't you? So, yeah, the, the idea for this is, is to not do a themed hotel because I think a themed hotel becomes really tacky. So how do we, how do we make a slice off a real reserve in Africa? Um, because it is going to be in the new developments called the Heart of Africa. How do we make the slice? Uh, how do we bring a slice of Africa into Chester? So it's about. Um, so we, we've done a lot of research. We've gone around a lot of reserves. We've seen the kind of fabrics they use, the kind of you know natural materials they use to make it as sustainable as possible. Um, and we are going to be building a 51 lodge um, hotel that will look over the giraffe paddock. So you'll wake up with the giraffes and it'll have a beautiful lake in the middle as well. Fantastic restaurants um, and your own VIP access into the zoo as well. That's amazing. So that's one of your clients. Now, let's talk about the one in London now, the, the Monopoly, because they're growing, aren't they, with new ventures. I know you can't tell us about all of them yeah. until they launch, but... Yes, yeah, so Monopoly Life Sized is run by a company called Path Entertainment, um, whose background is theatre. And what they do is they work with the IP partners uh, to bring experience or experiential attractions to major cities. So, for example, Hasbro, who own Monopoly, have partnered with Path to do Monopoly life-size, which is a life-size version of the game. So you play it in 90 minutes and the tokens are actual actors. And when you land on a property, you go in and you, and you play a game to try and win that property. It's, it's, it's a great concept. I've been, loved it. It's fantastic. And they've got a restaurant downstairs, which is called The Top Hat, which is Monopoly themed. And then they've also uh, bringing out uh, Paddington Bear, the experience. And that is coming out in uh, November. It launches in County Hall in London. And that's going to be an 80-minute immersive experience going through the world of Paddington. And that's in collaboration with Lionsgate and with Copyright and with Studio Canal. Um, and, uh, it's, and it's just great to be working on, you know, these kind of big, these big, 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 uh, you know, franchise and um, IP opportunities. It's fantastic to work on. Now, before we talk about Crystal Clear, which mm -hmm. is really important, and Sharon, who's built this amazing empire and has stayed in Liverpool, what's the competition like for something that you do like this? Uh, are people scratching your, uh, scratching your back? Are people at your back all the time? So within marketing, there's so much competition. I mean, it's literally everybody can do marketing and, and you know, there's, so many f there's so many facets of marketing too. Where we're different is we don't just go in and offer marketing. We offer a commercial, we're commercial marketeers or commercial sales because there's no point, anyone can do a fluffy design or a fluffy brochure or a fluffy website. But unless you understand how it converts into sales, it converts to people walking through the door, then there's, there's, there's no real point. There's, there's just no point to it at all. So what we always start with before we do anything is the commercials. It's, how, it's what do we need to do to bring the right audience into your business, whether it's an attraction in London or whether it's a skincare company. Um, you know, no matter what it is, that's got to be a fundamental basis. You've got to start there before you go to any of the nice kind of designs or, you know, new websites or spending investment, basically. And sometimes as well, I think there's a lot of people out there who just want to go in take as much money as possible, throw it into digital, throw it into all different kind of, and actually there's no real return on investment. And I couldn't, I don't, I just don't like that. It's not, not how we work at all. For, for us, it's about really understanding the business, understanding where you want to go and, and, and then working out, right, how do we get there and, and what investment do we need to put in to get there? Do you find it difficult to get staff without talking about your staff mm -hmm. because you are a powerful head of the company, you know exactly what you want. Is it difficult to find people to do the way you want it? 100%. 100. And I think if, and you know, I think, I think it's, um, 
what's really important is that you've got to let people also do it their way as well so from a structure point of view and a process point of view they're the things that you can put in as a ba- as a base so you know making sure that the clients are getting the communication they need making sure they all get the end of month report making sure that so the, i think there's fundamentals that need to be put in place but then how a person brings themselves to work or how they learn or how they work or how they create should be down to them and i think that's something that i've had to learn as well i think um we live in a world at the moment where you know employees are offering all sorts of benefits um to be you know to attract good talent and i am so so lucky because most of the people that work with me have worked with me either on previous companies or been with me for six seven years and you know they might not have been the experts in the 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 role that they're working in now but they've learned it because i tell you now and i tell you this for anybody who's listening who, who recruits staff it's not about skill it's about attitude it's about that can-do attitude and that willingness and that passion and that personality. You can't teach those things. You can't, you've either got it or you haven't. And if you've got those, you can teach them any skill in the world. Because what we do is all about making sure that the clients are happy and the work is delivered on time. That's all. Mm. Tell us about Crystal Clear. Uh, I met Sharon years ago before you were ever involved with Crystal Clear. Uh, we became mates. Uh, I was delighted to say I introduced you. You did the sell. You, you got the job. But tell us about this because it's an amazing product, isn't it? She is all over the world. Some of the most famous actresses in the world use these products. Sharon is probably the skincare guru. That, and she's just phenomenal at what she does. She's an absolute innovator. Um, she can come up with a concept or a product for the skin literally within a couple of days and then get it to market. She will see she's so switched on when it comes to what people need, what, you know, what we need to treat the skin. Um, and I've learned so much from her as a, as a businesswoman. To, to be in that industry for the length of time that she's been in is, is insane, is incredible. You know, she started in the 90s. She's created a suite of 57 skincare products that do everything from acne to pigmentation to um to hydration you know every single ailment that you have there's a skincare product for it and then on the on the trade side too she's got the most incredible machine which is now called Skinstorm, which is 20 you know 27 years of all the different devices that she's built and all that technology and then new technology she's put it into this one machine um and she's and she's just done a phenomenal job so Skinstorm is doing fantastic in the uk we're about to launch it in LA and New York over in America, um, which and it will go do- <laughs> Skinstorm will go down a storm over in the States, without a doubt. But she's phenomenal. She's you know, she's another one. She's Liverpool, um, a Liverpool business who's never forgotten her roots. She's got an MBE from the Queen um, and she has you know contributed to um to, to the area and, and to, to people's lives. You know, there's there's one there's one story. With, with Sharon where um, there was a, a lady from Newcastle who was glassed and the surgeon said to her, unfortunately your scars will stay on your face forever. She used the skin store machine over five treatments and her scars have gone and she said that Crystal Clear have given her life back. Now, it was one of the most incredible stories that I've ever seen or witnessed and she got interviewed about it recently that actually the power of beauty and what people like Sharon can do to change someone's lives it's not just doctors, it's not just, you know, all these people, there's other heroes too, and I think Sharon is a massive hero within the beauty industry. Now, you've told us now, everybody listening, about 
the strength of your business mm -hmm. and the work that goes into it, how does the acting fit in now? Or have you put it to one side for a while while you've been building your business? I'm not going to lie, it's very difficult because this is the, my priority is always the clients. It has to be the clients. Um, however, when a tape comes in, like it did last night. Um, Explain a tape. So we now, so a self tape will come in where you have to audition for the role. So I've just, uh, a, a big tape's come in yesterday for a period role. Um, I have to learn two scenes, film it probably this evening and send it back by nine o'clock tomorrow morning. So so last night in bed, I would, I'll, I'll learn the lines. I get up in the morning, I have to get up a bit earlier. I'll go into the gym and I'll learn the script in the gym. Then I go into work mode and then tonight I'll film it. Now, it is quite difficult I'm very lucky because I'm someone who likes to have a lot of different plates spinning. I call myself a juggler. I like to be juggling balls all the time. Sounds a bit wrong with that, but... <laughs> but, but we'll leave that in. <laughs> I like to be juggling. Um, and it's just the way that I've always worked. You know, I'm one of those people that if I've got my laptop open, it'll have 12 different tabs and I'll be going between them. To some people, that's a nightmare. Can you take a script in? I can, yeah, absolutely fine. But... but there has been times in the past where I've struggled to take scripts in because I've got that much going on in that day. Mm. So you do have to take yourself for a walk and take yourself out of it. The beauty is that I've built the company up now where I've got the most phenomenal team. So when something like that happens, I can bring in my number two, my number three, and they will straight away handle the project that I'm working on and, and you know, and, and get it off the ground. Now, if anybody's listening, I am talking to Chris Mockery. It's interesting we're talking about taping uh, an audition mm -hmm. because it's changed. Yeah. A lot of new actors won't know any different, will no. they? Because you used to, at your expense, go to London, not you, all actors, to London, Manchester, wherever, whatever, to do auditions. You've got no money for it, did you? Nope. So tape, taping's always been on the increase, but COVID accelerated that. And since COVID, if you get a face-to-face -face audition, it's normally only on a recall um, or if the producers want to meet you. But then, you know, saying that... Um, Max, for example, he's just, you know, he's got a 10 And if you just series. joined us, Max is uh, Chris's other half. So he's just got a huge, uh, the lead role for a new uh, Netflix series filming in America, 10, ten part, um, ten part uh, series with a potential six seasons, huge role, didn't meet the team once, all done via uh, tape and then via Zoom. Now, that would never have happened years ago, would it? Never, never in a million years. They would have flown you over to America. You yeah. would have met all the execs and they would have then decided uh, and they would have done a, a screen test um, in a studio. Yeah. Now they do a screen test on Zoom. So, in fact, it saved them a great deal of money. It saved a lot of money, but it also gives because, you know, the, the people, some people don't like tapes. I love them. You're in control of your background. You get a chance to make sure you do it right and you can watch it back. It can be a bit of a nightmare because you can be quite indecisive because there is so many different ways that you can do, you know, a scene. Um, but, it's, it, but it's also allowed more people to be seen for the role because when it was auditions, there's only so much time in a day that people would be able to audition people and give them the chance because, you know, 20 minute slots um, in a six hour audition window. Now they can watch, you know, four tapes in 20 minutes mm -hmm. now. Um, so it's a lot, it gives more actors the ability to be seen, which is important. Now, I know the love between the two of you, so because we're friends, mm -hmm. so I know how strong the relationship is. In general, is it not difficult for two people in the same industry 
to get on because of jealousy. Now, I know there's no jealousy between you two, mm. but you know what I'm saying with no, it's this? A good, it's a good question. And I think, you know, for, for genuinely, there's like, there's never been anything at all apart from I am so, I mean, I, when Max gets his jobs, it feels like I get them. That's how excited I get. I feel like I've got the job too, which is nice. <laughs> And I think, you know, when, when he got the last job, it was such a big, I mean, such a huge turning point in his career. I got more emotional than him. I was just so, we were jumping up and down. It was excitement. And um, and he's right for that role. And you know what? If there's a role that's right for me and my time comes, then I'll I'll get it. But at the moment... You know, as long as we're both busy and as long as we're happy, that's all that matters. Do you think that because you've had the strength of the relationship, that your relationship, I know it will last, mm. but do you think it mightn't have lasted if Max got this job at the beginning of your relationship oh because goodness. of the pressure, him going away for so long, and because it's, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, the, the romantic in me is like, it was when we first met, nothing will, will change it. And we've been through, you know, COVID, um, which accelerated our relationship because we were with, together every single day. Um, but I think, you know, we, we always knew that we'd get used to having time apart. We had this kind of rule that we would try and make sure that we wouldn't have more than two or three weeks apart from each other. So that if he's filming away, I'll go over to him. Um, or if I'm, I'm away, he'll come to me. And we, you know, we had that. I went up to Newcastle to do Vera. He came up after two weeks and stayed in the hotel. Then he got a job in Spain for four months. So he went to Spain. So I was back and forth from Spain. Um, so you just got to make, you just have to make it work. And the beauty is is you know it's it's exciting it's exciting mm -hmm. that we are we, are, we we can share this kind of journey together but relationships can work a lot easier now because of facetime oh. phones etc years ago it could destroy relationships facetime phones max has got a teddy bear with my face on it <laughs> I won't even go down that one. Oh my word! No, he has my niece. My niece bought it for him, and it's really funny because he, he had it on Facetime the other day. He was like, "Look what I've got!" It made me laugh. Looking back to Brookside, yeah. did you ever think you'd be where you are today? Oh gosh! Do you know what? I think I just think you become wiser as you go as you get older. I just I, I just didn't know half the things that I know now. It's even things like so you know. I, I'm a, I'm a huge overthinker, massive overthinker. Um, and actually, it's a really great thing because I can solve people's problems, especially companies, or, you know, I can really get into the mindset of a character. But there's also a downside to being super positive and, uh, you know, is that I can overthink things and actually think things that have not even happened or, you know, think of situations or what people think of me. And that was a big part of my 20s. And now I realise that it was all in my head. You know, I was the biggest saboteur of myself ever. And I mean, I'm st I still get days and I still get days when it still creeps in. But, um, you know, when I was in Brookie, I always I wanted to be the center. I wanted to be there was a few good looking guys in Brookside at the time and I wanted to be one of them. And I, and, and I knew that I wasn't. Um, and I really struggled with it, really struggled with it. And I wish I knew now um, then uh, because I put a lot of pressure on myself then. A lot of pressure. Well, you look at yourself at Brookside then, and you look at yourself now, you are an incredibly attractive man. What, what's happened? 
No, but what's happened? Because you said it. You said, I wish I was one of them. You are now one of them. So maybe it's one of those things you put it out into the universe. No, I'm not saying I'm incredibly attractive. I'm, I'm saying, no, I'm saying it. No, but I'm saying it. <laughs> and a lot of people will agree. All my friends say, oh my, Leslie Marshall is one. Yeah, That's yeah. gone into the most beautiful looking man. Yeah. But I, th I think, no, I, I think it's um, just growing up and it's just like, you know, knowing yourself and, and um, I think, yeah, I think that's all it is. Chris Mockery, to finish off, some advice. Yeah. Some advice to running, because you've got to be a certain type of person to do what you're doing, mm -hmm. to run a very successful business that you now are turning clients down, which is fantastic mm -hmm. because you know you've also got to make a stable mind set thinking I still want to be a star because you do and you are a, I think a tremendous actor what's your advice to people starting off in the industry um in the acting industry in both in both okay so in, I think in, from a business point of view is don't become complacent so if once you get um some revenue coming through you've got to be constantly thinking how i add value how do you add value to your clients or to your customer uh, or to your end user whatever your business can be how do i add value all the time i think that's really really important and change with the times you know things like ai are coming in now don't become complacent because it's going to it's going to come in quickly so how do you operate in the next two five ten years with everything else that's coming into the world as we know it so change with the times don't be afraid of change um and the big thing in business is be nice is you don't have to be toxic or have a toxic environment just be nice let people breathe let people get on with their jobs um, and support them in, in in their work and you will have the best business i love that bit because i learned in radio after 50 years be nice to everybody because you don't know who are going to be your bosses oh no you never you never do you never do at all and that's that as an actor I'd say it's incredibly tough, the industry at the moment, incredibly tough. You know, there's people who have gone to uh, to do three years in drama school and they're still struggling to get their first job. Um, I would say what's really important is know who you are as an actor. So find out who you are as an actor. Don't go into drama school and teach us, uh, be taught a syllabus and leave drama school being the same as everybody else. Define who you are as an actor. I think that's really important. What are your strengths as an actor and find your route through that way. Um, I'd always, always have a side hustle. In America, if you've got a side hustle, you're championed. In the UK, you're not. It's like, oh, hang on. Well, you're a lawyer. You can't, well, you can't, you can't be a lawyer and be an actor, or you can't be this and that. People like to judge in the UK. You can absolutely have a side hustle. This is your life. Don't care what anyone else thinks. This is your life. Be an actor, but also have something to back you up to give you the confidence to always be consistent and be mentally strong. Because that's the only reason why people aren't booking jobs is because they're worried about paying the bills. They're worried about this. If you've got a side hustle that allows you to do your dream and your passion, you will always be fine. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. Why not subscribe? You know it's free. So join us and tell your friends. It's great going on walks and doing whatever you want to do and then putting P Price on. We've got a back catalogue of over 100 interviews. Join us. Subscribe. It's free.